Thank you guys. That was beautiful. Appreciate all that our music worship folks do. Okay, I meant to mention about Florida, um, the hurricane, pray for them. I just forgot. Dad texted me, and I forgot. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to lift them up, and we've got some beautiful weather. I guess we'll get some rain from it, though, at some point. Okay, I want to share some things tonight. That something It's actually personal, but uh, it's just been such a cool thing for me. I wanted to relay it to you because I believe it's a real encouragement. It's a wonderful point in Scripture that God makes. And so uh, we're going to start out in Psalm 48 and then go to Genesis 22. And uh, so I'll tell you what happened. It was about, uh, well, Joshua was about nearly a year old. This was about 10 years ago. And I was having my morning quiet time and reading Psalm 48. And I had gotten down to verse 12, which says, Walk about Zion and go round about her, tell the towers thereof. Mark ye well her bulwarks, consider her palaces, that ye may tell it to the generation following. For this God is our God forever and ever, and he will be our God even unto death. And so David is talking about Jerusalem and inferring the the heavenly uh, Jerusalem, the heavenly city, and uh, and I was thinking about that, and, and I read it, and, and I was just, oh God, I want to see the citadels. That the translation I was reading said citadels instead of bulwarks, but uh, I remember saying it because this really marked me. And I was just saying, oh God, I want to see the heavenly city. Let me see the heavenly city. I, that typically will. I let God's word be a launching pad for questions and all kinds of things. I'm just talking it over. And the Lord spoke very clearly to me. Um, I mean, it, it's not often that he speaks this way to me, but it, this was very, you know, I was kind of going this way and his word came this way and just uh, stopped me in my tracks. And I've told you guys this before, but I want to share it because I have something to add to it because I have uh, I've just grown through the years. Uh, so I, I was like, oh, God, I want to, and I was all happy. Let me see the citadels. I want to see these things. And, and uh, God says very clearly back to me, he said, would you give me Joshua for it? And so uh, it totally stopped me in my tracks. It, it was like, ugh. It's like you when you hear something you don't want to hear, but you heard it, and, it's, and there's no going back. And I just sat there for a minute, just stunned, trying to, you know, register what he said. And I, and I was in such a, you know, I was really feeling it and into it, and just one of these mornings that just, it was awesome. And it just stopped, like the music went screeching, stopped. And, I mean, he had me, and I, I, I just walked out of the room. And just was trying to ponder that statement. And what, what? Uh, at any rate, I interpreted what he said to mean he's going to take Joshua. That's how I interpreted it at the time. And, uh, and you know, that's pretty typical. If, you know, if you get into the complexity of the human 
heart and mind. You can have ideas that are uh, fear-based. And so when someone says something to you, it kind of has to run through your own personal grid before it gets to the, the processing center. And by the time it gets there, you've already made all kinds of inferences on it, you know. And, uh, and we do that. Um, and so I, 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 if I've grown in any way the last 10 years, it has been in uh, the area of fear because fear is such an enormous issue for me personally. And, um, and I used to have a lot of, uh, you know, God's going to get me type of ideas, like the hammer's going to drop here any, any day now. It's coming. I can feel it. And just, you know how that is. We all struggle with that to some degree, but... Uh, and, and I used to be a lot worse with it. And so, uh, so what, what he said to me just went through that grid, and it was just the worst news you could possibly have. And uh, I finally, I, I struggled through trying to begin my time with the Lord back. I was like, what do you say to that? And I finally, I just said, well, God, he's yours. He's not mine. I mean, I, I, I surrender him. I have no, there's no way I can uh, keep anything from happening you know, this is out of my hands, and so I just, I just give him to you. And uh, just the the surrender for me at the mo- at the time was significant and real. I mean, I really did hand it over, and uh, which was good. But through the years, I have thought about that and thought about that. And, you know, it, the Bible talks about uh, Mary pondering in her heart what was said about Jesus. And it's that, that's what I've done with that. For 10 years, I have pondered it over and over and over and thought about it so many different times. And God's added things to it through the years and trying to, because trying to, he was obviously trying to communicate something very significant to me. And I knew that. Uh, but I, so I'm constantly like, you know, please speak more on that. I would like more information. And, and so through the years, he's done that, kind of built, built upon it. And change, switched my heart. Of course, there's no, you guys know, there's no guarantees. And, and the, you know, that's the world we live in. But uh, trying to get at what, what was he saying exactly. And so uh, um, early on, as I would pray over it and think about it and, you know, spend some time pondering, I realized that he was connecting me to Abraham and, and Abraham's situation uh, with his son. And so I'd prayed that angle of it quite a bit, knowing that, oh, this is, he's really connecting me with, you know, like, the issue with Abraham in Genesis 22 is God told him, sacrifice him. I mean, that's for a parent, that's like crazy talk, you know, but, but Abraham went through that situation and I realized that I was kind of in a similar situation in terms of what's being given up or surrendered. And so I kind of knew that through the years, and I would, uh, different things would come to mind and heart over it. Uh, but let me continue to share. We're going to look at this story in Genesis 22 because it's such a powerful story. One of my favorites in terms of foreshadowings about, uh, about God being, knowing all things. You know, he knows the end from the beginning. He wrote the story, and then he started it. You know, so he knows where this is going. And he on purpose works that into the story because he wants everybody to know and have assurance that, hey, I told you before it was going to happen what was going to happen. So that when it did happen, you'd know that only God could tell you these types of things. And he literally, that's how he wrote this book, the whole thing. 
uh, from beginning to end is a God who knows the future and tells us beforehand. So apologetically, it's very strong when you begin to see these things. And we could, you know, I could spend a lot of time talking about that, but I'm, I'm not going to uh, go there. But this is one of those instances. It's a very powerful prophetic foreshadowing of what's to come. And I've, I've been taught that Jesus is on every page of the Old Testament, if you know where to look. Uh, he, the whole time, right out of the gate, God is pointing to the cross, and he's saying, this is where this is going. Um, and so it's just one of those powerful stories I love to read. So let's just look at it, and then I'll make a couple comments as I move along. Uh, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his uh, donkey and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkeys, and I'll and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood off the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and beholding, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be said. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, said the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed all the nations of the earth uh, be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice man what a story uh and let's take a look at some of these things that are in this story that uh i don't know you guys may know these things but always good to go over them genesis 22 2 is the first one we're going to take a look at and uh he says there uh god says take now thy son thine only son isaac whom thou lovest and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell of thee. And then verse 8 goes on, which is a prophetic statement of Abraham speaking, saying, And Abraham said, My son God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. 
Now, the first thing I wanted to mention in, in 22.2 is the law of first mention. As far as I know, I, every time I make a statement like that, I, this, I'm like, Paul, are you right here? But let me just say it. I think this is correct. This is the law of first mention utilizing the word love in Scripture. Okay? And if you guys aren't familiar with the law of first mention, it's a significant thing. Uh, most Bible scholars, anyway, believe that the first time a concept is brought up in the Word, that God is really trying to give us, He's trying to highlight something that's important about it that He's going to build upon throughout Scripture. So, uh, the first time the concept is mentioned is the simplest and clearest presentation of it is what people believe in the law first mentioned. So this is the, the first mention of the word love, and it's in the context of a father and a son. Okay, so that's significant on all, a lot of different levels. First of all, because if you go to John seventeen 24, you'll find out in that scripture, Jesus is speaking to the father before he goes to the cross and he makes a statement letting everybody know what he and his father have been doing for eternity so before anything was created in genesis 1 1 uh, jesus tells us that he and his father have been in a loving wonderful dynamic relationship for all of eternity and so god is essentially a father loving a son that's what he wants us to understand about him he's a father who loves his son does that make sense so I think that's the clearest and simplest presentation of what the love of God is aimed at and what the core of it all is and the things that come out of that, the love between the Father and the Son and what he's drawing us all into as children because we're Jesus is the firstborn and we are the brethren and the sistren, right? And we, we, that's the whole deal. We're just brought right into the family. He's the prototype. He promises, here's, here's the one. I'm going to be conforming you into this. So anyway, this law first mentioned really gives you that clear picture. Of course, you can see just from the story, you can see that this is pointed towards Jesus and the cross. Um, Abraham makes a prophetic statement, not sure if he knew what he was saying exactly, but in verse 8, he answers his son saying, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. See, Isaac's saying, hey, where's the sacrifice? And, and Abraham is saying, God will provide it, which again is a prophetic statement about 2,000 years later, God's going to provide the lamb. Now see, this is all a setup uh, for us. Paul tells us that all these things in the Old Testament happened for our benefit so that we could be sure about this this is real this is really really happening the bible is true and you can count on it uh, and god goes through great lengths if you get into a real in-depth study of the old testament as to how uh, he he proves that out and so um so a couple things i wanted to share about uh the similarities between this story and the cross. And maybe you guys know these already, but they're, they're good to go over. So this is a prophetic foreshadowing of, a, of an event that will be in the future. Okay, here's some similarities. Um, the first one is that Isaac is approximately 30 years old at this time. We've always told, told this story as if he was a boy uh, for some reason. But if you study into the timeline, um, he's, he's not a boy. He's older. So we're looking at a similar age with him and Jesus when Jesus was offered. 
um, they go to Moriah, which is uh, just right outside or right there at modern-day Jerusalem. Of course, Jerusalem wasn't there then. But uh, the interesting thing about it, if you look at where they went and the terrain and what the place we're talking about, I personally believe that God took them to the exact spot on the skull hill where Jesus was going to be crucified. We're talking about they went directly to the place where Jesus would be offered 2,000 years in the future, which is pretty significant. I mean, that's just all pretty cool in my estimation. When I found that out, I was like, whoa, man, that's awesome. So um, then we've got Isaac carries the wood on his back up to the sacrifice, very similar to Jesus carrying the cross. Uh, Of course, it's a father sacrificing a son. That's a huge one, which is what uh, the cross was for Christ. And and one of the other things that is just really strange, but I think also telling in the relationship between the father and the son, there is no sign in Scripture that Isaac put up any kind of a fight. He seemingly, willingly went along with it as if this enormous amount of trust and love and honor is involved in this. I don't think that's happening today, right? I mean, we're, we're talking about an unusually powerful relationship. Of course, things have changed through time, and honor was a big deal back then. But it's just interesting that he went seemingly, as Jesus did, willingly, uh, you know, let whatever needs to be, let it, let it be. We're, we're going to trust in the Lord. So those are some similarities. So you got that really tied in there. Um, um, let's see here. And so after... After he goes, uh, is going to go through with it, now I want to get down to these verses where God's going to talk about the blessing because God really emphasizes this blessing. After it's all over, God's just like, oh, it's like, like God's such a proud father. Like, oh, God, you just rocked it. I mean, good night, Abraham. You couldn't have, you know, he's just so proud. And so it's, it's like this proud papa who's, who's seen his son trust him the way he wants to be trusted and honor him and obey him, just a beautiful uh, picture of that. And so it's almost like this proud father's like, oh boy, I'm going to bless you. I am going to pour it out all over you, you know. So it's like this affirmation of a father who's, uh, who sees his son just do what you want to see your kids do. And now he's ready to just, just pour it on, you know, love them love them, love them. And that's what verse 16 and 17 is, kind of going over that. Man, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to pour it out on you. Uh, way to go. So God's highlighting this thing. Um, and so it, it reminds me that, and I think the thing that really kicked this off for me was I've been, um, I've been reading Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 here recently, like over and over and over again. So I've probably, I don't know, over uh, a couple weeks period, I've probably read it, you know, 50 times or something. So significant amount of time. Spent, I've tried to read it as much as I can in a day without spending the entire day doing that type of thing. And I'm kind of a slow reader. I like to digest it. So I read it a lot. And the scripture in Romans 8 that kept on jumping out on me was eight 
31 through 35, where he says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Verse 32 especially, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You just hear that in the Father's voice again. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? See, I feel like uh, to connect those two verses between the Genesis 22, 16 and 17, where God's wanting to pour out the blessing on an obedient son, a faithful son, and this Romans 8, where God's trying to say, hey, what more do you want? This obedient son of mine did the unthinkable and laid it out for you. I mean, what more? You know, I'm going to pour it out. But what he did, and again, you get that same feeling uh, from Abraham and Isaac and the way the father felt about Abraham, his son, wanting to just pour it out on him. You've got God the Father and God the Son in the same way. Like, son, I'm going to bless you so much. You can just hear the, the powerful, passionate joy of the father over the son's activity. And something that I have grown in through the years, as I just mentioned, uh, whereas I, you know, many times I'd be in a, a prayer time with the Lord and I'm asking him to do things for me, you know, give me breakthrough, help me here, do this and do that. And I'm wanting all these blessings. And I, when I, years ago, I would run into this how can I keep asking him to do all these good things? I mean, because when I'm screwing up over here and I'm doing X, Y, and Z and whatever, and how can I, I just don't feel good about asking about all these things. And I would run into that conundrum and kind of muddy the water, you know, kind of stop the flow. But in the ways that I have grown through the years is now I don't have that problem at all. It's such a grace. I mean, it's such a wonderful thing. I'm so glad about it. And here's why. I have come to truly and more thoroughly, not totally there, but receive the fact that this really is all about Jesus. And when I run into that thing of what I deserve, I'm like, this isn't about what I deserve. I know what I deserve, but Jesus does deserve it. And that's what this is all about. Jesus deserves our holiness and our breakthrough because when the breakthrough comes and the influence of the Spirit lifts us up to another level, and the influence of our life begins to produce fruit around us, that's inheritance. That's Jesus' inheritance being given unto him. And so this is really, your being perfected in Christ, your being sanctified in Christ, is a work of God for God. It's just him doing what he desires to do, and it's really based upon, again, this perfect work of his son as he obediently did the unthinkable, and it's finished. And so and now I just blow right through that, man. I just continue to pray the blessings, because I'm, and I remind God, Father, because Jesus deserves it, and you know that more than anybody, and I know you want to give it to him more than anybody. And so I just want to remind you about that. So let's just move forward. And then you can just stay in worship zone, you know, just keep on worship. Stay in the, in the good place. So to bring all of that up, 
It also reminded me of Luke 9. Um, let's look at Luke 9 here. This is about prayer. Or, I'm sorry, Luke 11, verse 9. We'll start in verse 9. It says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And he goes, here's the big verse. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And see, so it's that same idea. Let our faith be stirred up in the goodness of God, in the completeness of what Christ Jesus accomplished, and just let him have his inheritance by calling forth uh, just the blessings of God and the sanctification of our lives and in the lives around us. Uh, may we enter into the beauty of the, the one another principles that are in the Word. One of those one another's is sharing your sins one to another and praying for one another that you might be healed. I believe there's a massive amount of healing that could begin to take place for all of us if we started walking in the fullness of what God's delivered and what we get to do. And when we make it all about Jesus, it, it becomes a lot easier to do that because it's not about me. I'm, I'm messed up, period. Jesus isn't. But he's promised to do things in me if I'll just be honest about it, open up, and let others pray for me. So it's the faith of God's what we're, what we're after. We've got to be people of faith. And Luke 11 is trying to, God's trying to say, look, I'm ready to bless you guys. I mean, ask me for the Spirit and let your faith be encouraged about the fact that I, I paid an enormous price for this. And that's what kind of brings me to my, my final point here as I get back around to this story. Um, because this is where it came, came to, kind of full circle. And I believe it's that Romans 8 passage that kind of brought it to this point. And now I'm understanding what God was saying. Now remember what he, what he said to me. He said, and I remember it, it word for word. He said, would you give me Joshua for it? That's what he said. I've got this in my journal, so I know, and I would never forget that anyway. It was just such a, at the time, a slap in the face. But um, what is he saying? He's wanting me to just take a look at that. Okay? The same way that he wanted Abraham to take a look at it and through that story of Abraham for all of us to take a look at it okay that that what he's saying to Abraham is would you would you give me your son now Abraham to his credit was going to do it I mean if God asked me that I would say no that's heresy can't be the Lord you know we'd struggle with that I don't think he'll ever ask such a thing anymore but the point was that see do you realize how crazy a thought that is that's what I did I'm gonna do that but listen guys he did that Jesus did it willingly he trusted in a greater work y'all realize how short this life is and how long eternity is I mean, that's really registering with me these days about how short this is. It is not going to be long at all. And because of that sacrifice, you better know 
that if God's going to do something on that level, and I think what, the, what, what he's wanting to emphasize me is, Paul, just want you to get over, just get close to that edge, and I want you to look out at that. Just look at it. Would you give me your son for this? Because that, that's when you go, oh, no. I mean, God, what are you saying? What are you, you know, the weight of that, there's nothing more weightier than that. I mean, all you parents out there, you know, that's just crazy talk. It's like, huh. But the fact that God did do that, you better believe he's going to get what he did that for. I mean, the emphasis is on what he gets to do because he really did it. And what these scriptures are trying to let us know that, that he is that good. He would go to this length so that he could authorize himself to pour out all that he wants over us. And so, to me, it's just been a real stirring of my faith. You know, it just kind of stirs up my faith that, man, he's going to do this. He's going to do this. I'm telling you, what he's looking for are people of faith who will just believe and speak the word. We'll believe it. We'll stand in prayer and declare it and say, God, you're going to do this for your own glory. Because of, because of what you did with your son, you're going, to, you're going to give him an inheritance that just is greater than our wildest dreams. And see, so there's the sky's the limit on what the Lord will do, which will draw you into more prayer and into more worship. I'm telling you, it works. It like takes all the limiting factors off. There's no lid. You can go for it and just walk and pray and declare the promises are all here. And whatever we see that's lacking at the moment, guys, I'm telling you, God is going to move another time before this is all said and done. He's going to do some incredibly powerful things in our day. I fully believe it. We've got to have our faith stirred up that he is a miraculous working God. He's going to do miracles. He's going to fulfill his word. He's going to show us who he is again, clearly, in some new ways so he can do some new things. I just really believe that. So every time I am in the word now, which I'm just spending uh, so, so much time. Uh, now, now listen, I go, it's not that God's going to do whatever we want, right? But we're talking about people who want what he wants. And they want to see him glorified. You know, we're not talking about a, an immature type of thing, do, do this or that, or, you know, give me this or that. We're talking about people that just want to see God, God's spirit land on people, setting them free, watching marriages pe- be put back together and strengthened, and families that have been shattered brought back together and reconciled, and, and, and miracles of, of healings, and just God's goodness poured out on his people. That's what we want, right? God wants that more than we want it. And I'm convinced of that. He's looking for people that will just believe. Just believe. And so one of the things that we can do, listen, you can eat all of the Word of God that you want. There is not a limit on it. You can eat all that you want. If you'll eat it appropriately, in other words, what you're doing when you come to the Word, is I kind of look at this book as two eyes. I'm looking at the written Word to meet with the living word himself. See, this is, a, this is a meeting between me and Christ Jesus through the word. And I'm just consuming the word that way. It begins to strengthen the inner man and get us excited about the promises of God. So eating the word, abiding in him. One of my favorite verses that we're going to talk about Sunday, because I'm going to spend a lot of time in the word and our words, is uh, John... Um, 15, 7. It's such a 
powerful verse. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done. That's a crazy statement, but it's true. God meant that. Abiding in him. It's just we can have all of them that we want. Walking in the light and stirring one another up towards love and good works. Man, it's, it's, it's all right here for us. Just to walk straight into. Let the word of God stir up and strengthen a faith so that we can believe him for more and live it out. I'm telling you, God wants to do some good things. Y'all believe that? I'm telling you, he does. So let's pray as our uh, worship folks are coming. All right, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Let's, let's, does anybody want, need special prayer tonight? Anybody need anything? Are you sure? All right, I'm just going to pray for us and we'll, we'll head out. Does that sound good? All right, Father, we just love you. And God, I thank you for your word. Thank you that, gosh, it is finished. God, thank you that you went to places that we balk at in the sacrifice. And I thank you, Father, you did that so you could just pour it out. And Lord, I pray in this time that you just open up the governors on all of our faiths, that we just jump in with both feet, begin to consume Lord, as, as John 6 says, Jesus says, just eat, eat the flesh and drink the blood. We know you didn't mean that literally, Father, but it's the word that we can just be filled with you and be strengthened. Lord, I thank you that uh, you've given us so much word just to soak in, just to marinate in. I pray that we have a, a newfound love for your word, a, 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 your desires within us, the jealous love of of your love within us, Father, drawing us to the word, that we just spend time abiding in you. And Lord, may you stir up our faith to a whole nother level. Lord God, may you just do miracles. And Lord, I'm just so excited about what you're doing in this body of believers. And so, Father, I, I pray as we go home that um, you just take, that we take with us a desire for more of you and a faith that's ready to be uh, strengthened that we would rest in the finished work. It cannot be stopped, cannot be changed. It is what it is, and you finished it, Father. And I, I pray you just would give Lord, our Lord Jesus the inheritance that he richly deserves. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You guys are blessed. Have a great evening. Come on Sunday.